Not many people would call themselves a certified weirdo, but this month's guest on Write You a Song does, and I don't think he'd have it any other way. Thanks for listening to this July episode of our podcast, in which we shed a light on the folks who not only make Nashville hum, they make all of us hum and sing along by writing the songs that become a part of our lives. I'm Tom Maley, and so far, with the exception of Ashley McBride, we've featured songwriters who stay primarily behind the scenes. But this month, we're going to step back up to the footlights and feature another singer-songwriter, a guy who's written hits for Low Cash and Tim McGraw, as well as for himself. He's also one of the youngest artists ever invited to join the Grand Ole Opry, and he's an amazing live performer whose approach to all of it, writing, singing, and performing, is a little bit different than anybody else we've talked with so far. Chris Jansen, welcome to Write You a Song. This has always been a part of your life, hasn't it? You know, it always has been, yes. And uh, man, I've just been doing it. I've been doing it, making money at it since I was nine years old. What, um, were, what were you doing at nine where you were making money? I was putting together bands and and um, playing with older kids and, and just getting in anywhere I could and gigging. I, I've been gigging since I was a, a kid. Do you come from a musical family? I do not. No, I just come from product of listening to the radio and wanting to learn how to play music. So that's what I did on pawn shop instruments, you know, and used equipment, just drums, guitar, bass, whatever it may be. I, I play it all. And, and, um, just always, just always been that guy. I've always just loved to do it. Can you remember like the first song that, that grabbed you? Was there a yep. song? Yeah, it was Keep Your Hands to Yourself, Georgia Satellite. <laughs> How old were you? Nine. So everything, the epicenter is nine years old? Pretty much. I mean, before that, I mean, I I mean, I mean, grew up on, you know, all my rowdy friends, Hank Jr. and things like that. That was just before I played, though. And then, it, I mean, it continued on after, after I learned to play. I learned to play music in a day. Um, wow. Yeah, it was weird. It's just meant to be kind of thing for me, so just born to do it, you know, and, um, couldn't tell you how to read music or anything, anything as far as theory or as anything it's concerned. I just do it. I just hear stuff and can play it. I, it's just, I don't know. It's just like walking for me. I, I just, it's one of those kind of things. It's hard to explain, but, um, I just, I can just feel it. It's just, it's in your DNA. Yeah, pretty much. You moved to Nashville right out of high school. So you had your eyes on this dream. There was no other career path for you. This was going to be it. Actually, back when I was nine, before I moved and did it for a full-time living, um, I, it's not what I wanted to do for a living as a kid. As a kid, I was just I was just into whatever made money. I mean, I really did music for a hobby at that point when I was really young. Oh, really? And all the way through, yeah, yeah, and all the way through high school and everything. So it wasn't, I didn't set out to be a country music singer my whole life or anything like that. I actually trained horses for years, had snow cone business, skateboarded, just did all kinds of stuff, <laughs> bought and sold, bought and sold and built hot rods with my dad, um, mowed lawns, had a landscaping business, like all kinds of, all kinds of little stuff along the way. And I always just played music for fun. And then when it got right down to the nuts and bolts of, you know, either trying to go in debt, trying to go to college or, or, um, get out in the real world and get a real job or whatever. I just decided, well, I play music the best. So I'm gonna, I'll try that for a job. So I just packed up and moved to Nashville. Just, just on a whim, no, no methodical thinking or nothing. Just pack up the car and go. That is not the story I expected. That's a true story, man. I, but I, uh, just did it by myself. Just, just went. See ya. 
So when did you um, sort of, because you said music was a hobby for you, it was something like going to the gym and playing basketball, I would get, or, or yep. skateboarding. Um, yep. when, when did you kind of allow yourself to uh, realize or accept that you have a genuine gift? Well, I'm pretty sure I, I realized that from a really young age. I mean, probably from the get-go. It, and I say that just because I, I don't know. I, I, I look at the world kind of as an old soul. Ever since I was a, a little, as long as I can remember, and um, I always knew there was something special about it. Just because I never really had to practice at music. I just kind of felt it and did it. Now there are a lot of things in my life I've had to practice my butt off for, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm still, I still to this day, I'm not that good at. So. Um, Music's just not one of them. Music was just something that was this just comes very easy to me. Are you a student of uh, of music? Uh, no, no, not really. Just kind of. Uh, I mean, I would just consider myself just somebody who listens to radio, you know, and heard hits and things like that, and just kind of got me in on it. I never, I never was the guy who really dove into deep tracks and all that kind of stuff, and you know, sat and listened to music for hours upon end. I mean, I just it's. It's so it's so it's so simple to me that I just I don't give it that much thought really. I just kind of do what I feel like is cool and keep moving on with the day. I like to do other things too, is what I'm getting at. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I don't I don't just I don't fully consume my life with music. I don't think it would be fun if I did. And, and that's so sort of counter to what a lot of the the songwriters have said. And maybe it's different because you're a songwriter and a performer. Uh, but for a lot mm-hmm. of the songwriters, uh, there was one a, a couple of months ago. Who said, you know, if there's if you can imagine yourself doing anything else in life other than music, go do that because you don't want it bad enough. And you don't necessarily agree yeah. with that. You don't align with that. No, I actually do. I, I, I maybe I maybe I came off wrong there. I do agree with that. I mean, it's all I think about as far as a living. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I have other things too. I have kids and a wife and I like to fish and I love to hunt and I like cars and I like to travel and just do stuff. So what I'm getting at is I don't, you know, a lot of a lot of people are so into it that they carry a guitar everywhere they go and they carry an instrument everywhere they go and all this kind of stuff. I don't like I just I can write songs without a guitar. I can write songs without any instruments or with them or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Okay. I just kind of take I just kind of take it day by day. I don't I don't stress out about it and I don't um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think about it every single minute of the day. I just do it whenever I, whenever it hits my heart. That's when I write. Well, and, and that makes sense to me now that you've explained it that way, because you do need to step it, any job, you need to step away from it. And, and I would imagine for, you know, a creative process like songwriting, it, it kind of helps you fill the reservoir a little bit. Yes, it does. It does. I mean, I guess the best way to put it is I don't obsess over it. Like I know, I, I know some of my friends, do <laughs> I mean it's like it's literally all they think about all the time even some people that you mentioned earlier off the air they're just like a lot of them they think about it constantly uh, if I did that I would drive myself crazy I I just you know I just think there are, it's a great big world out there there's a lot of greatness in it and we might want to we may want to try to um, enjoy a lot of it not just music all the time 24 uh, 7 I would get burned out if I did that. Are you able to write um, on a schedule uh, like a lot of uh, Nashville songwriters? You know, they they go to an office and they work from eight to five with other songwriters. Are you able to do that? Yeah. Or you are? Yeah, I am. I prefer to do that, actually. I prefer to have a schedule doing it because, um, like, here, just for instance, if, if, I had a, if I had a day and I knew I was going to plan on songwriting with a couple guys, you know, whoever it may be, like on Tuesday, for instance, 
Um, so I get up and with my wife and kids, we start the day out with prayer. Then we take the youngest kids to school and then come back and kind of get our day started a little bit for about an hour or, you know, less. And then like, say the guys are going to be over at nine thirty or 10. So then I, I usually plan to try to write from 10 to one. And I give my, I, my brain works very well that way. If I have a structured time set that I know I have to get a product out of, in that time set, I'm either, you know, it's not, not guaranteed you're always going to get a product, right? But you have a, you have a structured time where you can really focus your energy, hyper-focus it in that three-hour segment, for instance. So I'm good at doing that. And then I know it's almost like a reward when I'm done. It's like, okay, I'm going to go fishing now. I <laughs> something. You know, I got something to look forward to. It's, that's how I do it. And that's how I prefer to do it. So yeah, I don't get too artsy about it or anything. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do that. I have to just, you know, they, they get really introspective about it. I don't get introspective about songs or songwriting or performing or nothing. I mean, it's just a natural thing that I'm going to be doing anyway at some point during the day or week or month. So um, it's not to say that I take it for granted. I certainly don't. But I own, I just do it whenever it hits me, if that makes sense. And um, Absolutely. You know, you may... You may say, well, how do you know it's going to hit you in a, in a writing uh, a slotted time that you're allowing yourself to do it? If you have a slotted out time, you can think about it a little bit getting into it, right? So you, you have a little bit of time to go, I wonder if it's going to happen or not. You don't really know until you get in the, into the room and start doing it. So um, it's all kind of a crapshoot, but you know, it, you're, 95% of the time you're going to walk out of there with a song and – 25% of the time it's going to be great and, you know, 50% of the time it's going to be good and that kind of thing. And I imagine when you're out doing other things like fishing, your your radars, your antenna, probably, you can't probably shut that off. So if you get an idea, you write it down or you make a note of it and, and you bring that into the writing session. So you're not just necessarily going in there cold turkey. Yes and no. Um, you know, I find inspiration just doing, just doing life as it is, right? So um, walking around being with my wife and kids, traveling, uh, everything that I see, feel, touch, anything tangible. Any, I mean, it could be anything in the world. It doesn't really matter what it is. Um, I, I can usually draw some inspiration from it if it feels right. But, again, I, <laughs> I'm probably the most boring person you'll talk to about this just because <laughs> I don't have a – it's so weird. Like with music, I don't have a lot of answers for music. It's hard to explain from somebody who was born to do it. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. I just – I, and I really feel like I was born to do it. Therefore, I just never have given it that much thought. It's like from a young age, like, what do you like to, what is, when people think of me and they think of, I wonder what Chris Jansen likes to drink. Most people know that I drink Mountain Dew at this point. Yes, you do. Exactly. And they're, and they're right, by the way. So, um, pretty simple. Why do you drink Mountain Dew? I don't know. I just like the taste of it. Is that it? Yep. Okay. Boring answer. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's the, but it's the real answer. Um, same with music. Why do you do it? I don't know. I just, I just enjoy it. Well, any other reason? Not really. Just, <laughs> I just love, I just, it's just part of what I do. You know, it's like if somebody asks you, if you, why do you have black hair or why do you have brown hair? Or why do you have blonde hair? I don't know. I was just born that way. Um, that's the same way I am with music. That's always how I've looked at it, which is just kind of funny. Um, I, I'll even take it a step further. When you get into things like set list when you're playing live by the way i can set you up a writing appointment for next wednesday and i'll be there 30 minutes ahead of time and i'll be done 30 minutes before we're supposed to be done by the clock standard 
if you try to set me up a set list, I can't go by it. Do you know why? Because it's it's just it's in the moment art that you're creating, right? It's in the moment stuff that you're creating on stage. So to set a set list, I look here's how I look at it. Gosh, how boring is that? How in the world could people be entertained when you know when you already know what you're gonna be doing, right? And so the great thing about songwriting is what I'm getting at is you have no idea what's going to happen in a room, in a room to write, write songs. You can't, you could never imagine what you're going to write before you get in there. Cause somebody might say something or you might say something or think something that's totally different than what you've been thinking all week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you just go through all these, I'm, I'm, I may sound like I'm talking gibberish, but I swear I got a message in the madness. <laughs> um, and I'm, by the way, I'm not the only songwriter who talks like this and, and things like this, but it's just hard to kind of explain it. But you just can't really know what you're going to get until you get there. And so, and I like that. So that's, that's the reason that I continue to do it. And I think that's part of the reason I can attest to why I continue to enjoy doing it. Well, it it Um, sounds to me like spontaneity appeals to you and there's spontaneity in the unknown. Yes, there you're well said, sir. No, but when we, you, you were out in Sacramento last fall and you played our, our, downtown chow down we had 2500 people those 2500 yeah. people were blown away by the set that you did and you. i did i didn't know that you did that you just kind of go by feel when when you get up there because most artists do have a a set list but it makes sense because i other than maybe garth brooks i've never seen yeah. an artist with more joy just pure joy on stage garth brooks keith urban they kind of have it uh yeah. you are having more fun than anybody else Funny that you should mention Garth. Thank you, by the way. Funny you should mention Garth and Keith. Keith is the one who invited me to be a member of the Opry, and Garth is the one who inducted me to be a member of the oh, Opry. Oh, that's right. Yes. So funny you should mention that. And just last week, literally just just a few weeks ago, Keith and I played once again on the Opry full band, and it was just it just blew the roof off the place. It was so fun. But you're exactly right. That's very well said. And thank you for recognizing that. And I just, I'm just the kind of guy, man, that if I if I planned it, I in my heart, I'm thinking, gosh, how boring would that be for everybody who is getting ready to listen to it? Wouldn't that be kind of boring? So that's the same way with songs. I don't really have any, you know, I'm making this third album right now for Warner Brothers, just wrapping the strings up on that. And, of course, Good Vibes being the lead-off single and everything. But everything that is also on top of that for the album, you never really know what's going to be on there or not. And you don't know those things because, again, what would the what would the fun be of, of of letting everybody know the cat out of the bag. So I just kind of I just kind of play it by ear, let the music lead and remember to have fun doing it. You've talked before about how you love writing fun songs and you've written some fun ones buy me a boat, uh fix a drink truck, yeah. But you have there's there's a depth to some of your writing as well. Even on a fun song like I love this life, that has another layer that goes a little bit deeper than you've got how I'll always be for Tim McGraw and of course Drunk Girl. So I mean, I, I know that what you're saying and, and is sincere, but at the same time, there's a, a deeper current to Chris Jansen. Yeah, there's there definitely is. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Yes, there is a deeper current. But even when I'm writing songs like Drunk Girl, uh, for instance, you know, give you two perspectives here. When I was writing that song, yes, it's a very serious subject matter. Yes, it's a very moving song. Yes, it's captivating and it's and it's. It's a very serious thing, but you can't think too much about it. You just have to do it in the moment and say what you feel is right. I mean, that's the best way to describe it, and just be honest. 
Couple couple charge stamps got a hand looking like a rainbow in and out of every bar on a whim just like the wind blows she's either a bachelorette or coming off a of breakup take a drunk girl home she's bouncing like a pinball singing every word she never knew dancing with her eyes closed like she's the only one in the room Her hair's a perfect mess falling out of that dress Take a drunk girl home Take a drunk girl home Let her sleep all alone Leave her keys on the counter your number by her phone Pick up her life she threw on the floor Leave the hall lights on walk out and lock the door That's how she knows Difference between a boy and a man Take a drunk girl home Now, when you switch gears into a song like Buy Me a Boat, you know why I wrote that? My co-writer said, what do you want to write today? And I said, something like Hank Jr. 87-ish. And he was like, well, what is that? And I was like, I don't know, something drop, something in drop D tuning. And he, this is how it happened. He said, well, I got this title called It Could Buy You a Boat. And I answered him kind of like, what the heck? I said, buy me a boat? You know, kind of like, that'll never work. And, um, <laughs> and and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I just came out with that opening line. I ain't really what I damn sure want to be. <clears throat> well, that was just the truth coming out of me. I ain't rich, but I damn sure want to be. Working like a dog all day ain't working for me. I wish I had a rich uncle that had kicked the bucket And I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett I know everybody says Money can't buy happiness But it can buy me a boat It can buy me a truck to pull It can buy me a Yeti 110 ice down with some silver bullets Yeah, and I know what they say So, but it can buy me a boat. They call me redneck, white trash. You know, I've always kind of been of the mindset that if you can say it and you and you feel confident doing it, then other people will follow suit. Now, what about you've said in interviews that you'll write a song and you'll know instantly whether or not it's a song for you, and if it's not a song for you. Often it'll hit you that, oh, this might be good for uh, Tim McGraw or Low Cash or Lee Bryce or whoever. Yep. I uh, do that pretty often, actually. It gets a little easier to to keep them for myself as as far as Chris Jansen, the artist, is concerned, if you will. Um, It gets easier when you have success. And you're right. I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again because it's it's honest. I just – I pretty much know about the first 30 minutes in whether I'm going to do it or not. And, you know, there's also a, a respect factor that comes in if you're co-writing with people. You don't want to just you don't want to just crush their spirit and just say, no, nah, never mind. If you know you're kind of writing for yourself and mm-hmm. it's not going that way, it's, you know, I also don't want to be rude. So I don't want to if I, if I like the song, I know it's great. I don't want to stop it just because I'm not going to record it. If I had done that, um, you know, songs like Love This Live, Truck Yeah, How I'll Always Be, so on and so forth would have never happened. So you just kind of got to go with it and just kind of use your own judgment meter. And, uh, 
that's what I always kind of do. I think, thankfully, I've written a bunch that didn't work out for me personally, and they worked out for others and friends of mine. So, you know, that's just kind of what makes the world go around. So, talk about then. Let's let's get a specific example. Um, how I'll always be. When did you know that wasn't going to be your? Because it's a great song. I don't know why you wouldn't Thanks. want to record it, but at the same time, Thanks. you felt it wasn't for you. So, did you know instantly you wanted to get it to McGraw, or were you just like, "Hey, whoever picks it up, they can have it"? That's actually a hybrid, interesting hybrid that you that you picked on. First of all, let me say thank you for the compliment. Uh, I think it's a great song as well, and I love the song. And out of any song that I've ever written for anybody else, that would be the one that I would have done had I got the chance to do it. But I knew McGraw wanted a, in his in in so many words from him to me, uh, something between Don Williams and uh, kind of sounded like Keith Whitley. And I went, okay, well. I had a co-write booked anyway, so I took that in and I told the guys. And what if I had a perfect world of what I wanted Tim McGraw to sound like, I would want it to sound like, you know, uh, Everywhere or How I'll Always Be or My Little Girl or, you know, Red Ragtop, some very nostalgic kind of songs. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the great thing about How I'll Always Be, though, is that song is a 100%. Those lyrics are about me. They just happen to fit his lifestyle, too. I'm a little more beer bottle beer joint than a fancy bar. I'm a little more sitting up high on the road than a little old car. I'm a little more bust your back than take it for free. And that's how I'll always be. I'm a little more lose my temper than to sit on back. I'm a little more old Hank Williams than that trendy crack. I love a flatwood old front porch made of an old old tree. That's how I'll always be. We wrote it within about an hour and had it over to uh, to Tim, and Tim recorded it the very next day. I think it was put onto the album, and then you know, big hit. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty quick turnaround too. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's it's, it's pretty pretty awesome, man. Yeah, and that was that that album of Tim's um, it was pretty much done. I mean, it was in the can. They weren't they they weren't really looking for more songs or you know that kind of thing. But it's never over till it's over, and um, thankfully it wasn't over because it was a it was a pretty big deal for me. That that song just won a it won a millionaire airplay award which is which is hard to get meaning that it played on radio over 1 million times so that's pretty cool all right i love this life that song also seems it could be very autobiographical and yet you let that one go too and, and you perform that in concert and it's yeah. just as fun as when lowcash performs it in concert there's Thanks. that same kind of joy going on so why you why you let that one go well wrote that well here's the first reason i wrote it with them and they we were writing for their project at the time. No matter what we got, we were we were trying to specifically write for them. Well, that's a pretty good and, answer uh, right there. Yeah. <laughs> but there's another side of that, too. Like, at the time, they they were just in talks on an independent record deal, and I'd already had a record deal. So I could have very easily been like, you know, if we if, here, put it like this. If we weren't tight friends, I could have very easily strong-armed and been like, oh, I want this song for me. But it just felt like a low-cash song. So it was just a it was just a blessing kind of thing. And it was, it was meant to be for them to have that. It was meant for be to, for that song to really break their career wide open. 
a lot like Buy Me a Boat did for my career, you know? And because uh, that song, both of those songs were huge. Love This Life was one of the most played songs in the last five years in country music. I mean, that's a big deal. So I'm just proud to be a part of it, to be honest with you. I love that ragged old barn that my grandpa made. It was my whole world back in my innocent days. I love that little white church out on 109. It's where I hit my knees and I thank the Lord for this life of mine. funny thing to reverse a little bit you know when you're talking about how do you choose what you're going to give to other people or what do you want to keep i'll put it real simple too my label also likes for me you know when you garner success and you continue to have success they get pretty serious like hey listen you got to start keeping some songs for yourself right ha 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 but really seriously because when buy me a boat number one uh love this life was just hitting number 10 and then right after that here comes How I'll Always Be by McGraw the next season. So it was, uh, you know, I'd already had a bunch in the pipeline that were that were coming out and on the chart and, and just about to be on the brink of the chart and those kind of things. And um, and even though, you know, everybody who works with me is happy for my success, it's also a bittersweet thing because, you know, you, you can't help but think when you're on one team, you can't help but think, well, what if we had that? But, you know, every song has its life and and I've certainly – have no complaints because I've had a great run so far with, with everything that I've chosen to sing. And I've had a great run too, with the things I've written for other people. What's the most important part of a song to you? Mm, The lyrics over melody. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Within the lyrics, what's the most important part, the bridge, the chorus, the opening line, or is it all all kind of, it's all important, but I in personally, I don't know of anybody who truly listens, truly. Now, I know there are people out there that will hear this and go, well, I do, of course. But the majority of what I can gather is the quicker you can get to the chorus, the better odds you have of having a hit, right? Because what's the singiest, easiest part of a song to remember? Generally, the chorus. Pretty simple. Well, in our last podcast, J.T. Harding, had a, he ended the interview with a quote, don't bore us, get to the chorus. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> well, Chris Jansen, man, it has been really interesting to talk to you and to kind of hear your process. And uh, you're, you're different than everybody else I've I've spoken with, and, and, and I think that's fantastic. And I would urge anybody, anybody listening to this podcast, as talented a songwriter as Chris is, if you get a chance to go see him live, I would think. It, to me, it's like seeing a young Bruce Springsteen. I mean, you get out there and you just tear you. it the up. It's fantastic. So, thank um, you. And let me and let me say this. I appreciate the compliment, but let me say this too for for those who listen to this and and see this. But um, man, I I am a certified weirdo. I am. I'm a certified <laughs> weirdo when it comes to music. And so I know that some of the things that I even try to explain they they sound like I'm just running in a circle, like a hamster on a wheel. But it's kind of because I am. I mean, that's the real truth of the matter. I just, I always just think, 
let me leave this conversation on an encouraging note to people. Okay. If anybody, if anybody is ever wondering, can I write songs? Should I write songs? I do write songs, but are they good? But I don't think they're good because somebody else might not like them and la, 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 and so forth like humans do. I would just not take yourself so seriously. That's really, that's really the, the most best advice I could give somebody because if you take yourself too seriously, it's like, it's like you on the air or whatever you may be doing during the day. If you take yourself too seriously – People are they're just not gonna they're not gonna buy into that they're not gonna believe in that and they you know you're not giving them a reason to believe it you know what I mean you're worried about it so much so much that it becomes not fun and with songwriting man that's how I am and with artistry I just I don't take it too seriously I take it serious enough and that's it. It's kind of steal a line from a another great well written song hold on loosely but don't let go. Yeah yeah I mean. It's basically like Keith Urban said the other night when we he, he shot me a message after we got done playing the opera the other night. Next morning, I woke up to this nice message that said, man, I love being on stage with you because I feel like we're both free-falling at the same time. <laughs> that's a and perfect— it's true. Yes. It's, it's perfect, and it's true. And it's, that's how I am when I songwrite. I want people to know that, and I want people to know that when they see me live, that's what I feel like I'm doing too. Like, I'm just free-falling. I don't really know what's going to happen. And with songwriting— I'm just kind of a, a free spirit mm-hmm. when it comes to it because I want it to be – I want the creativity process to be as creative as it can be. If we overthink it, guys and gals, we're just not going to get that far. But if you just let the song lead itself, man, and just be cool, just be cool, usually, most of the time, you'll have a great product. I ain't watching TV today. Bad music can just stay away if you ain't got anything good. Chris Jansen, thank you so much for for taking a half hour with us. I'm proud to do it, man. Thank you for thinking of me. I appreciate that, and uh, I hope you got what you needed, and I hope you enjoyed the answers. For this month's Write You a Song, huge thank you again to Chris Jansen for taking the time and to Rafael LeBron and the Warner Music Group for helping arrange this interview. Write You a Song is produced at New Country 105.1 KNCI in Sacramento, California, a property of Bonneville International. If you like what you hear, please share it with your songwriting and country music-loving friends. And catch us next month for another episode of Write You a Song. I'm living this good.